Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are live at the Standing Room Spartans podcast presented by Rick's American Cafe, East Lansing, Michigan. Uh, myself, Kevin Parker, my co-host Scott Martin with you here today. Not actually presented by Rick's American Cafe, but if they would like to sponsor the pod, we are available. Uh, so just hit us up on Twitter at Standing Room MSU. Uh, you can send an email, standingroomspartans at gmail.com. But Scott, uh, here we are on a Sunday. We're recording this in the middle of uh, the Big Ten Championship game in basketball. We're awaiting our selection Sunday results for our Michigan State Spartan basketball team presented by Rocket Mortgage. How are you today? I'm good, Kevin. I am glad I'm not nervous. Uh, I think today could have felt a whole lot of different different ways depending on how the last couple of weeks went and and we're feeling pretty good so uh anything can happen today as we know but i think the consensus is generally that uh spartan fans should be feeling pretty good today and uh yeah i mean that that sponsorship though yeesh yeesh what, what, what are we what are we thinking it definitely rubbed me the wrong way um i like i get it it was kind of a misleading headline it was you know, they're not going to walk out there on ESPN and have them announce Ohio state versus Michigan state presented by rocket Morgan. Like I get that, but at the same time, like it just, why, why do we number one, I guess I should give the back. So like I worked at Quicken loans for a couple of years and absolutely hated everything about it for everybody here that lives in the in the Detroit area you at least know somebody I guarantee it's not even probably I know that you know somebody who works at Quicken maybe you're listening to this and you work at Quicken you know exactly what I'm talking about um, so anytime I see Rocket Mortgage or Quicken Loans which is basically every single college sporting event known to man uh, it, it gives me a little PTSD but uh, other than that like just the general idea of our college sports team being officially presented by fill in the blank it just it just feels wrong it, it nothing nothing really works there it just it doesn't pass the smell test yeah i mean it was i think once at least my understanding of it is that it's just going to be kind of like on some signage in the Breslin center, you know, that when the team runs out, the, the PA announcer says, and here are your 
Michigan State Spartans presented by Rocket Mortgage, whatever it's going to be, which is like, nah, it's not as bad. I think the PR team did a terrible job announcing it. You know, they're like, hey, everybody, let's get excited. We signed a, a new sponsorship and we're now going to be known as, you know, the Rockets. Um, <laughs> it was they could have done a much better job. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's odd. It's kind of cringy. At least we don't play in the Yum Center. Like I think it's Louisville yeah, plays in the, the KFC Yum Center, Yum Center right? Louisville. Yeah, yeah. So could be worse. Could be worse. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not feeling it. We'll see how it works out next year. Obviously, we're not going to play in the Breslin Center till then. So um, yeah, I don't know. Not loving it. This does beg the question, though, Scott. If if you were forced, like let's say full on, like it it has to be. Every time you're talking Michigan State football, we have to bring this up as kind of like a copyright type thing. When it's when it's on the scoreboard, it's Michigan State presented by whatever. Like we're talking plastered everywhere. You're forced to give a a uh, a presenting sponsor for the Michigan State football team. Who would you choose for that sponsorship and why? Uh, I mean, there's a couple different ways you can take that, right? You could take a very like hometown. You could do like presented by the Michigan state dairy store or like, you know, presented by crunchies. Um, you could do something really like tongue in cheek presented by Jim Harbaugh's khakis presented by Dickies. I don't know. Um, I think I, I, I mean, being realistic, I think I'd do something hometown like presented by crunchies presented by, Los Tres Amigos presented by Conrad's, you know, pick a local restaurant and, and roll with it. I'm sure they wouldn't be able to afford it, but um, if I, you know, could choose anything, I'd roll with something like that. Yeah. Like you? I was, I would even go more specific, like w- with the local crowd, like I'd go, you know, Michigan state football presented by PT's half off Thursdays or, okay. you know, Michigan state football presented by crunchy's pizza nugs. Like I, I would go even more specific into it, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just a weird feeling, but it's a funny, you know, Twitter had their rounds with it, like across the country. Like I saw national writers that were tweeting about it, making their jokes. So it, it was a rough look for us for a little while, you know, we kind of cleared things up and it's not, it's not going to be a story next year. You know, we're not going to be talking about this when the basketball team comes on the floor, but um, it, it was kind of obnoxious. Now we are, like we said, we're recording this on selection Sunday. As you're listening to this, you've already seen the bracket. You've seen how everything plays out. So a couple football guys talking basketball, Scott, you've definitely watched more basketball than I have this year, but uh, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts going into March madness. It, like by the time we're recording this, the next time, like we might already be out of the tournament, <laughs> you know, but who are kind of like the teams you're looking to avoid? Who's the team that, you know, maybe if, if we're in this region that that might give us a little glimmer of hope because maybe they're an overrated one or two seed. Like what, what are your kind of hopes here for selection Sunday? Well, I'd say first off, I think, and I know some people were joking that Izzo was doing this on purpose, but I think we landed or we may land in almost the perfect position given kind of the, the area of the bracket that we expect this team to be in or the area, you know, the seed range that we expect them to be in. Um, I've seen a lot of 11 seed 
Uh, and there's kind of two different scenarios with an 11 seed. You have the 11 seeds, four of them that have to play in the first four, which is obviously terrible. Just having an extra game on the legs when you get into the first round, um, we know how much that can slow us down. We've been playing with a lot of fatigue over the last few weeks as it is. And then you got the two 11 seeds who are just, just like anybody else, you know, first game is in the first round. And that, I think that's really where we want to land. Hopefully, like you mentioned, we'll know where we're at. Maybe we will get one of these spots, but it, I mean, then you play a six seed, the first round, which is meh. And then you get a three seed, the second round. Whereas if you're in the 10 slot, you have to play a two seed, the second round. If you're at eight or nine, you have to play a one seed. Obviously, an at-large team can't be anything lower than 11, so 12 through 16 is out of the picture. But, um, yeah, so I think just starting there, we we might be in a great spot. As far as, you know, the regions we're looking at and and which teams we'd want to play, we're expecting, right, two Big Ten one seeds, uh, Michigan and likely Illinois. If that's the case, and then you've got Baylor and Gonzaga on the other one lines, I, I think I'm comfortable in either Michigan or Illinois bracket, just because I know we have what it takes to beat them. I, I mean, I think you play them 10 times, you're probably going to lose seven or eight at least, but you know, I mean, we've beaten both of those teams once this year. So just going into that game and that headspace of, we know we can beat these guys, assuming we got that far. Um, I think I'd be comfortable there. Uh, all things considered. Um the two seeds, I mean, it's kind of hard to project. We don't exactly know who a two seed is going to be. I think Lenardi right now has Ohio State, who we've beaten, Iowa, who I don't know if we beat them this year, but if not, I know we have the potential to. And then he's got Alabama and Houston, who, in all honesty, I don't really know what their teams are about this year, but um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'd like to be around the Big Ten because I know we've beaten most of the Big Ten teams. I, it's been so hard to keep track of the rest of the country and the rest of the teams this year that I don't really know. It's, it's tough. It's a weird spot because MSU basketball this year is so much lower in the bracket. So like right now, Joe lenardi has got us as an 11 seed lined up against USC as a six seed. And we're five seeds below them. But in my mind, I can't really wrap my head around the idea of a Michigan State team in March being worse than a USC team, right? So I see that. And I'm like, oh, great. Yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to open up against USC. But like I said, <laughs> I've really only been paying attention to the big 10 this year. I have no idea what to expect. This team can beat anyone and it can lose to anyone on any day. So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, and, and I'm sure they're laughing at me over something now that they know when they listen to this exactly where we'll be, but it should be fun. (laughs) Glad we're in the tournament. As I mentioned a week or two ago, we had no idea. I think the last time we were recording, we didn't even know if we were going to beat Michigan last Sunday. So um, a lot, changes quickly this time of year yeah it's this is honestly the the least amount of college basketball i've ever watched this year uh for whatever reason it just i don't know like i'm just not not really into it and there could be a variety of reasons for that not really sure but um this is gonna be the year that i kind of test the theory that everybody always has it's like you know, the guy that that doesn't really follow college basketball is always the guy that fills out the bracket and wins the pool. And so this is going to be the year I test that with our group that we, we kind of have the same group of guys every year that we play fantasy football together. We play the bracket challenges together. We do a bowl pick them together. 
um, and, and Scott and I are both involved. And I probably this year of everybody in there, I've probably watched the least amount of college basketball. So we'll see if uh, we'll see how that really plays itself out. We'll see if I can win it this year and, and test that theory that everybody always has. Uh, but it's, it's going to be fun. I'm currently holding a ticket, Michigan state $5 to win the national championship, which would pay out with something like 400 bucks. I don't even remember. Um, it's, you know, January, February is, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> I know. I think it was early January. We actually, I remember exactly when it was, it was the Purdue game. Um, we were up at halftime by like, I mean, everybody remembers that game, right? It was a massive, I think we were up like 17 at one point in the early in the second half. And we ended up losing when we were up at halftime by like 15 or whatever it was. I was like, all right, I'm sold. You know, we had that Duke win <laughs> under our belt. We, I think we were undefeated at that point. And I was like, sure. Uh, and I put 20 bucks on, on MSU at like, I don't even remember what the odds were. I think the payout is like $800, um, something ridiculous. Uh, and the odds have gotten even more, I guess you'd say favorable on a payout um, since then. But uh, yeah, we're going to be riding it out together. Not really expecting to see that money come back my way, but you never know. <laughs> anything can happen. Yeah, we are pretty much our entire group chat has like a five, ten, twenty dollar ticket on MSU winning the title. So if we do win the title, obviously as Michigan State alumni, alumnus, alumnus is singular, right? Alumni would be plural. Yeah, alumnus is the male singular, and I think the female is like alumni or something weird. Yeah. Like so, that. so our collective group of Michigan State alumni uh, will obviously be you know, thrilled because Michigan state won a title, but we'll also be, you know, a, a few dollars, uh, in the red there. So it's, uh, no, it's a fun time of year. March madness is always arguably the best sports, you know, section of the, of the sports calendar, if you will. I, it's the, the opening weekend is always the best. I, this year it's going to be a little different. I know they're doing, it's starting on Friday instead of the Thursday. It normally starts the Thursday uh, of the, the opening round games this year, they're starting Friday. So the opening weekends, Friday, Saturday. So that'll be a little bit different than usual. You'll only have to, to do one day of the, the work, the work college basketball grind that we normally do, but now it's one of the best times of the year. And obviously, you know, we've said it time and again, we're a football podcast, but at a certain point when March madness rolls around, we got to at least, you know, bring up Tom Izzo and our guys catch what they're doing on the basketball court. Um, as far as football stuff, we got a, a, a fun episode here today. We're going to be talking about th this is something that we've, we've kind of had in the works for a little while here. And something that is is a fun off-season topic. And we're going to run back to the 2017 recruiting class. And obviously, the reason we picked 2017 is that's going to be this year's basically all the super seniors. Um, and, and then we're going to kind of follow this as like a series. Um, so we'll do 2018, which would be this year's kind of standard seniors, 2019, 2020, 
and we'll kind of run through and and just kind of get it like you know let's let's do a little rewind here like what did we what are, who were the highest rated recruits who were the guys that were you know low three stars two stars even and, and how did it all work itself out like how did this shape itself and and how did that all come together as their playing careers are kind of coming to a close or have already come to a close in East Lansing um, so we'll get to that first there. There has been a new commitment for the 2022 class. Speaking of recruiting Ashton Lepo out of Grand Haven, Michigan offensive tackle for the 2022 class. He's the fourth offensive lineman in the class that signed already or third offensive lineman, fourth player of the 2022 class, six foot seven, 270 pounds he had offers from Baylor from Indiana uh, from the Mac schools so uh, a, a good find for for Mel Tucker and the staff by by everything that I've seen on Twitter and from just kind of watching some clips of him so far you know I'll, I'll try to dig deeper as we go along here and get you guys more information but right now it's the, the word on him is basically like hey this is a, a big strong athletic kid who's got room in his frame to grow out to like, you know, one of those prototypical like six, seven, three, ten type tackles. So uh, looks like a good find right now for Michigan state Mel Tucker to kind of, you know, start getting going on this 2022 class. You know, it's, it's that time of year. So Ashton Lepo, Scott, you seen anything about him? Any thoughts on, on adding this offensive tackle to the 2022 class? Yeah. I mean, this dude's tiny. I'm uh, <laughs> no, just kidding. In comparison, though, he is 35 pounds smaller than the next offensive lineman in the class, Gavin Brocious at 305, and a whopping 70 pounds lighter than Big Dooley, Christian Big Dooley. Phillips, uh, from down there in uh, Conyers, Georgia. So, yeah, no, like you said, I think he's he's got prototype size for an offensive tackle. Obviously, they'll be looking to put some a little bit extra, you know, pounds on the frame before he hits the field, but. Um, certainly an in-state guy that uh, coach Kapilovich had his eye on from an early stage with this recruiting class. Great to get him nailed in early. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a great addition. I love the focus on the trenches. You know, I think we've talked about this before that I think anytime you're trying to start something fresh um, and get the wheels turning on a new regime, you, you got to start inside on both sides of the ball. So love, love to see the focus on, uh, on the offensive line. Who knows, maybe we'll have a full, you know, five man line. I think all we need is like a center and another tackle and we'd have a, a, a full set of five. So um, hard to say at this stage, obviously these guys are still juniors. They had a weird junior season this year. So there's not even always a lot of tape on these guys at this point. Um, but love to see, love to see the focus there and then, and just keep, uh, keep rolling. Yeah. And I think one of the, the good things other also about this signing is that one of the sort of criticisms of the 2021 class for Mel Tucker was there, there didn't really seem to be a focus or, or maybe not a focus, but just a, there was a lack of, of Michigan players. Like, you know, was he kind of ignoring the local guys where, you know, we all are kind of craving this more national approach and finding guys that are national. And, and so it's, I guess, a, a little bit of a sign that, Hey, we're, we're still approaching these kids in Michigan. We still obviously want local kids and, you know, we're, we're really attacking this offensive line early in the class. So um, really by all accounts, great signing, 
should, uh, you know, be one of those kids that continues to get more and more offers and buzz as he progresses with that size, with this kind of mean streak that you can see on his tape, he's bullying kids. So, um, Great way to start off the 2022 class year with a, a, a few big offensive linemen. And then obviously uh, Tyrell Henry, the the athlete that will kind of make his name there. Uh, last thing I wanted to mention before we get into our main topic today is, is kind of rewinding it. A couple of weeks ago, we did the, the decade draft for uh, offenses and defenses for myself and Scott. And, and we had a lot of fun with that. We posted a, a very poorly made graphic on, on, social media. So, um, you know, Hey, we're, we're not graphic designers by any stretch of the imagination, but, uh, it, it got the message out there, I guess it got the point across. Uh, you could pretty clearly see the teams. Um, and there were some fun comments, I think. So I just wanted to read off some of the more interesting ones. Uh, Marshall, our guy, Marshall J 93 on Twitter. Um, he had that Vegas would set this game at KP myself minus three and a half uh, because of the offensive names that were on the roster. And I think that's a fair point, right? I I would get a little bit more of the fireworks and um, the Vegas people might uh, appreciate my team a little bit more, but he said, Scott would win with grit. I think that's a good point, Scott. I think you got a lot of grit on your team. Yeah, I think uh, that's what we were going for, a vintage MSU kind of lineup. I don't know why people think wide receivers are going to win things for Michigan State. <laughs> Everybody knows it starts inside. I've got uh, I've got the running game on offense. I've got the front seven on defense. I'd be confident going into this, and I think being you know a half a touchdown underdog is exactly where MSU always loves to be. So put us on the road, you know, just for fun, and, and we'll come out with the W. I'm not I'm not worried. Yeah, uh, there there were a lot of good comments here. Um, we had, yeah, Marshall also goes on to say that uh, getting Le'Veon Bell forty touches behind that offensive line uh, would would be a problem for me, and I definitely agree with that. I was just thinking of the Mark Dantel. What game that was after, like Indiana game or something? Was he said grit like four times in the interviews? It's about grit. It's about grit and he's he suddenly found this like southern drawl <laughs> that came out of nowhere oh man i miss mark d'antonio uh mason had uh got to go with kp solely because of kirk cousins throwing the ball to lip it and burbage sounds like pure electricity uh my guy eric west my roommate the first two years of my michigan state career uh this game will end zero zero no matter how long it's played too much defensive talent we had TJ on Instagram. He's been on the pod before. You guys all know TJ. He said, Scott's defense is going to annihilate you. So didn't really mince any words there. Uh, he was also surprised that Donovan Clark didn't make either team. That was a guy that we, I think we brought him up in the episode, right? Where... We did, but we've had a lot of guards, a lot of strong guards. Um, I think we both struggled to find tackles a little bit more than we struggled to find interior guys. And um I think he would have been taken if I, if you had have gotten Brian Allen as a center, but I got Brian Allen as a guard, which kind of just limited because Clark never played center. He never played tackle. So there just wasn't room for him, but it was definitely a guy on both of our big boards. I think it just didn't, uh, the cards didn't fall the right way for him. Yeah. Yeah. It would would have been really nice for me if he could have played some center, but (laughs) 
Um, let's see the other on Reddit. There was a couple interesting posts on, uh, Reddit, the only colors on Reddit for anybody that's on Reddit and didn't really know that there was an MSU sports page. There is, um, let's see here. I got, I got a lot of love my team on, on, uh, Reddit. A lot of people loving the no fly zone coming back together. Uh, let's see here. Pretty damn even in my eyes. Both defenses are stifling. Scott has the better QB running back combo, but KP probably has the better receiving group. Uh, slight edge to KP's uh, wide receivers match up better against Scott's DBs. No fly zone was no joke. Love some Connor Cook and Le'Veon Bell, but the defense looks nasty. Um, yeah, it seemed to kind of go a little bit of a split on uh, social media. So we'll have to put that out there back again in the summertime or something and see uh, if anybody has changed their mind. But if anyone out there who listens to this has NCAA 2011 <laughs> and has the time to create all of these players, we need you. That's we need good, you to do it. About that. Maybe somebody does it. Maybe somebody's been making the MSU players year after year. We need you to put these rosters together, run like 10 simulation games and give us the average of how it shakes out. We want to know. I don't know how else we could do it other than obviously just looking at the facts and, and realizing that my team is better, but you know, we may <laughs> not get consensus there. So if anyone out there can do that for us, I will pay you a small, likely very small sum of money. Direct quote from my co-host, Scott Martin. Uh, the no-fly zone was underrated and, you know, irrelevant in Michigan State football history. So that's at Spartan Martin 18. You can hit the mentions there. Uh, but no, let's, let's get into our topic today. We're talking the 2017 recruiting class, kind of rewinding it. And like I said, I think it's it's an interesting thing that we'll kind of uh, be able to to go back with a couple of these classes because you get wrapped up in signing day and you get wrapped up in the guys that are coming in and you get excited and you can you, we've seen the 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 positives that can come from it. You know, look at all these guys that we got and and they all panned out and and we make a, a college football playoff run. We make a Big Ten championship run. And we've also seen classes like 2016 where we have this unbelievable, I think we were like top 15 or damn near top 15 in the country, like our best recruiting class in ages. And it just flamed out to, to the nth degree, like just as much as a recruiting class could possibly flame out. So we look back at the 2017 class. Again, these are the guys that are either graduating this year as, as normal seniors that are coming back in 2021 as super seniors. Uh, this was a group that, according to 24-7, was ranked 36th nationally, 6th in the Big Ten, uh, was, was by all accounts a solid recruiting class for Mark D'Antonio. It was, it was right around his kind of average for – his solid years, right? Like 2012, 13, 14, 15, uh, 17. They, they were all right around the thirties in, in the national ranking, like somewhere between four to seven ish in the big 10. Um, so this was, this was right in there. And it's funny going through some of these names. I mean, a lot of these guys, we'll talk about it. You know, some of these guys that aren't with the program anymore, some of these guys that you had really high hopes for some of these guys that just came out of nowhere. And the way that I'm kind of structuring my look at it was 
rewinding this, I put it into five categories. Who are the studs that came out of this class that came into Michigan State were all Big Ten type players? Who were the starters that that started a, a you know a, a handful like more than a handful of games? Who were the contributors? And maybe this guy played a lot on special teams and and made an impact, or he was a rotational guy but got a bunch of snaps. Who were the non-contributors that just didn't find their way onto the field? And then who are the guys that are just straight up gone? They're out of the program. They transferred out and didn't finish their career at Michigan State. So that's kind of the way I looked at it. Uh, but Scott, just kind of like the initial thoughts. When you, when you went back, when we decided to do this podcast and you pulled up Michigan State 2017 football commits on 24-7 arrivals, uh, what, what was the first things that really stood out to you when you're kind of scrolling through the names? Yeah, I mean, this class is, it's, it's an interesting class. Um, as you mentioned, there's guys from kind of across the board, other than me, I would, and we'll get into this, other than one name on here, I would say it really kind of lacked star power. There's a lot of those guys in those middle couple of tiers of contributors to, uh, you know, special teams contributors to starters. Um, not a lot of guys really broke through that ceiling of potential. Um, and there's quite a few guys who, who have left the program in, in good or in bad ways. Um, but yeah, I mean, starkly different than 2016. I will say 2016 was not a total loss. We got Matt Coglin out of that. Um, shout out to him. (laughs) He may be the only guy left in the 2016 class who's coming back i don't i'm not going to look through how he managed to maintain eligibility all the way into next (laughs) year but he he is coming back he is the last member of that dreaded 2016 class so it was not all lost in 2016 but um yeah 2017 interesting year like i said kind of lacking other than one name that we'll get into kind of lacking the stars didn't really come together as a group that i would say took the program to any kind of next levels, but certainly bridged the gap for us between, you know, the D'Antonio era and now getting into the Tucker era. Yeah, Matt, Matt Coughlin's the guy in every fraternity house that's just, he's like 24 years old. You're like, dude, what are you still doing here? Like, <laughs> I, I won't name any names. We had a guy uh, of that nature, but <laughs> it's just, yeah, he's, he's found a way to hang around, keep kicking, and just, you know, he goes out there, does his job. He's got the mullet now. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a Spartan legend. But, yeah, it's, it's so we'll, we'll run through the names here. And, obviously, we'll kind of break down some of these guys. I mean, it starts at the top. We had four four-star guys. We had Kevin Jarvis, who was the highest-rated recruit in this class. Four-star player, 217th nationally. Matt Dotson was another four-star out of Moeller, 283rd, another top 300 guy. Antoine Simmons, four-star, top 300 guy. And Hunter Risen, a four-star, barely outside the top 300. So when we're looking at these four guys, Scott, I want to kind of start the conversation there. You had four of the the highest-rated recruits, four four four-star guys. These are the guys you're expecting to make a big uh, impact in your program, the guys you're expecting to be cornerstone pieces. We had an offensive lineman, a tight end, a linebacker, a skill player, wide receiver, and Hunter Risen. 
and you had from my kind of calculations, you had one stud in Antoine Simmons. You have one starter in Kevin Jarvis. He started 27 games in his career, uh, dealt with a ton of injuries, right? He's, he's missed a ton of games, but uh, all in all, like when he's healthy, he's a starter on the team and, and something to be said about that. Matt Dotson, who is, I, I just put as a contributor, right? He's only started eight games in his career. You brought up pre-show, like he's, he's just, we're waiting for the breakout still at, at this point in his career. 41 catches, 436 yards, two touchdowns. And Hunter Risen, who's obviously gone from the program, um, he's, he's bounced around quite a bit. I, it was uh, We were actually just looking this up before the podcast because we were like, you know, I, I kind of remember like at the time what the stories were and, and what was going on, but let's kind of like go back in the time capsule. And it was Andre Risen, obviously Michigan state legend, the father of Hunter Risen. Basically his dad was saying, Oh, he's not getting enough of a role in this offense. Like we got to go elsewhere. And, and that was after a pretty good freshman year transfers to Kansas state had some off the field issues, transfers to a Juco in California. And now the latest I heard was, was he was at Grand Valley state. So he has had a roller coaster of a college football career, but you know, obviously everything after the first season has not been with Michigan state. So those first four guys though, are four, four stars in this class. What really stands out to you there? Well, you got Antoine Simmons and I mentioned you know, kind of the stud. There are a couple more guys who you could classify as studs who I was uh, overlooking earlier and they, they come in a little bit lower on the list, but yeah, Antoine Simmons, clearly I would say the best player to come out of this class. Um, you've got Josiah Scott who we'll get into, um, but just Simmons, just what he was for the program and he was around and he made such an impact. Jarvis, I think can still be a guy. I mean, we'll see what, what comes out of this year for him. You mentioned the injuries. He's a guy who's when he's in there, he's great. He adds stability to the offensive line. You can count on him to, to do what he needs to, and to move guys, you know, in the running game. Ryzen, I mean, we don't need to spend too much time on him. It didn't work out. Right. I mean, it's it just right from after freshman year, it didn't work out. He's been bouncing around struggling to find a home props to him for sticking with it and trying to find something that's going to work for him, you know, as he bounces around a little bit, but um, Matt Dodson, man, like an ice cream headache of a tight end. Like <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have anything really negative to say about the guy he's out there. He hustles, he makes some plays, but he just doesn't seem to, make that impact in the game he makes plays but they're not in the biggest moments he has some drops I think he hung around around hung out around Matt Sokol a little bit too much because his hands don't seem great don't don't say that name around here <laughs> um and who knows again maybe he'll surprise us but he's got some competition coming up behind him and at this point I mean he's had the opportunities. I, I think, I don't think anyone would argue with that. He, for a year, year and a half, he really didn't have a lot of competition at his position. He was the guy and that didn't really seem to take that, you know, grab the reins and, and make the most of it. So he'll be around, he'll be a veteran guy who's certainly going to be on the field and he'll have his chances, but yeah, I, I, I don't think, and I know stars aren't everything. We're going to put some some weight into them just for the sake of conversation here. I would say he hasn't exactly lived up to that four-star billing, uh, but there's still time. You never know what we'll see out of him. Yeah. And that's the fun part of doing something like this, right? Is because again, you get wrapped up in the stars and the ratings at the time, 
And then when you rewind it four years later, like, well, you know, these guys who were, you know, barely three-star guys ended up being NFL players and the guys that were forced to like, you get to kind of put all the context together through four years of college football and say, okay, yeah, he was a highly rated recruit that just didn't work out. He was a low rated recruit. That was a stud. Like what, what are we, and this is why I laugh every year at these recruiting rankings. Like you're asking a recruiting service and obviously it's, it's more than a handful of guys. There's a ton of, of people on staff at 24 seven or rivals, or I don't even know, does anybody use ESPN anymore? I don't even think it's worth mentioning for, for recruiting purposes, but like I know they have a ton of people on staff, but it's just, it's impossible. It's an impossible job to go through and find out who the best players in the country are. Cause there's so many guys. And then on top of that, you have guys that are playing in completely different levels of competition, Like you could have a six foot seven, 300 pound offensive lineman who's playing you know, division five football in the state of Michigan against an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman across from him. Who's 210 pounds. Like it's, it's impossible to, to properly scout high school players. And that's why we see such a, a a variance of the, the abilities to match up with the like results on the field. Right. And so you have these guys where, yeah, Antoine Simmons, total stud, lived up to all, all the expectations and then some. Like second team, all Big Ten this year, honorable mention last year, 230 plus tackles, 26 tackles for loss in his career. Um, just absolute stud. He'll find himself on an NFL roster this time next year. Kevin Jarvis, I mean, like there is still time, right? He started all seven games last year, obviously only seven games, but maybe that's a sign that he's gotten his body figured out. He's gotten everything right. And we can maybe expect a good season from him next year. That's another guy who was kind of hoping for the, the breakout, but I don't know, again, like the way I kind of structured this and I'll kind of introduce it this way was you have the studs, you have the starters, you have the contributors, the non-contributors and the guys that are just gone. Right. And I guess this is where I want to start, Scott. I have four studs from this recruiting class. I want to see what your thoughts, if you agree, disagree on any of these names, if there's anybody you'd like to add, I have Antoine Simmons, number one, not ranked in any way, but no, first is Antoine Simmons. I have Cody white, obviously the wide receiver was in the 2017 class and then two cornerbacks, Josiah Scott and Shakur Brown. Um, do you have any, any issues with those four guys? Is there anybody else you'd like to include in the pot? Well, Rocky Lombardi's got to be there, right? <laughs> Stop um, it. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, I'm feeling sarcastic today. No, I mean, uh, stud. I mean, what makes a stud? Like Cody White, there's aspects of his career that scream, yeah, obviously he was a stud. But then there's there's still like something about him, man. It feels like he had more to give, like more to show in a, in a green and white uniform. Not to say he underperformed. It just felt like he never really had like the Cody white moment, right? Like Aaron Burbridge, Tony Lippett, those guys, those wide receivers who have come through the program who had the year and, and Cody white was, I think he played heavily as a freshman. And then I think he left after his junior year and all three of those years, he played well, 
in every game. He was always around. He was relatively consistent, uh, but he never really became like that clear cut number one wide receiver. Ah, man, I, I still, I, I wonder what he would have been had he come back for his senior year. Cause I think that would have been his moment, his opportunity to, to really be, you know, the guy that the other team has to game plan around, you know, he had the ball skills. He had the, the, the athleticism, not necessarily the top end speed, but you could see just the way he approached the game. He had a lot of potential. Um, so yeah, is he a stud? Is he not a stud? He's kind of on the cusp. You could put him there if you want to. Um, the, the cornerbacks, Josiah Scott, definitely um, one of the best corners, even given our, our storied history since D'Antonio took over at that position. Shakur Brown, um, kind of in that Cody White, well, different. He, he didn't have the big three years. He had like one monster year this past year, right? Yeah, he started, he's more of the Aaron Burbridge, the, yeah. the Tony Lippett, right? <laughs> yeah. So he, his freshman year, I don't think really saw the field in any, maybe on special teams. I haven't gone back to look. I know his sophomore, he started coming on. He had a couple of starts and then his junior year, this past year, just absolutely exploded, not only on the scene for Michigan state, but nationally, which I, personally, it kind of caught me by surprise the season he was having as it was rolling on, you know, we were getting near the end of the season and all of a sudden people were looking at this and they're like, Shakur Brown has some of the best stats. You know, you look at the pro football focus, advanced statistics and everything. All of a sudden his name was everywhere. And people were like, this guy's one of the best corners in the, in the country this year. He's having one of the best seasons anyway, in the country this year, definitely uh, looking at that single season, certainly a stud. This is a guy who wasn't even ranked nationally, you know, going back to what you were saying about living up to recruiting rankings um, and maybe that's a testament to the coaching. Maybe that's just a testament to how hard it is to, to accurately rate these guys. But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, beyond that, I don't think there's anyone really, um, towing the line as far as calling them a stud. We'll get into the contributors. Um, I mean, Jacob Panashuk, he's close. I'd say if he has a big year this year, he could be up there. He's close, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, all really solid players, Again, Cody White still feel like he had a little more to give, but um, yeah, let's keep it rolling. Yeah, Cody White, I I was on the fence with him a little bit too, but the thing that just pushed me was like he he was more than just a starter, right? It, it was it was more than just a starter. So maybe I should have yeah. put another category here, but at that point we're doing six. To, like it's just too much, <laughs> right? But it, it was, I mean, he. You go through the list, like he's seventh in MSU history in, in career reception. So that, that might surprise you. Yeah. But it, it's he was more than just a, a decent starter. He he was like I'm not saying he was, you know, an, an all-American, that he was an, a clear-cut NFL guy, but I do think that he deserves more than just the starter designation. And and maybe he's on like the fringe there, but um, he did have himself a heck of a career. He was an honorable mention in all big, all big 10 in 2019. That was kind of the only real off the field accolades that he got. But yeah, I, I mean, Josiah Scott, Shakur Brown, like no brainers. Uh, Josiah Scott, fourth round pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars is already starting for them in the NFL. Um, and Shakur Brown, the funny thing about Shakur Brown, he, he has started 12 games in his entire career. Like it just, it, it's a very interesting case study here. Um, 
he he has seven interceptions and twelve and nine pass breakups and twelve starts. Like it, it was just a, a quick burning flame, right? And we'll see what what that turns into the NFL. I've always been a little bit skeptical of him compared to some of the other DBs that we've had. Just I I I worry he's really physical. I, I wonder how that's going to play in the NFL, where you know they they call a lot of those chippy chippy plays more than they do in college. The rules are a little bit different in terms of how how far you can contact guys off the line of scrimmage. Um, I, I I'm really curious to see his pro days pro day numbers coming up, which is next week. We'll we'll talk about that. We'll kind of preview the pro day next week and the guys that are going to be involved. But yeah, it, it is funny. Like Shakur Brown, you look at his recruiting profile, uh, West Virginia, Kentucky, Minnesota. Like the, these aren't big name schools. Uh, Josiah Scott as well. Like he had an Iowa offer. But other than that, again, West Virginia, like Cincinnati, Buffalo is pretty much Mac schools, Army, Navy. Um, these, these weren't highly re- recruited, highly rated guys. So it's, it is funny just as you keep going through these lists of, of the highly rated guys, the low rated guys and how their careers tend to pan out a lot differently. So those were the four studs that I had written down starters. I have six, I have six starters that came out of this class. I have Kevin Jarvis, the offensive lineman, Jordan Reed, the offensive lineman, Jacob Panishuk defensive end you have Matt Carrick an offensive lineman interior offensive lineman you have Trey Person defensive back and you have Noah Harvey a linebacker so I guess if we're splitting this up like offense defense you have on the offensive side Kevin Jarvis Jordan Reed and Matt Carrick three offensive linemen Scott, I'll let you start there. Like any thoughts on these three guys, uh, any opinions, should they be in any other groups or, um, you know, these are all guys that should, that will be back in 2021. Jordan Reed uh, obviously opted out in 2020, but by everything I've seen, he's supposed to be coming back here. So um, what are the thoughts on those offensive linemen that I have listed in the starting category? Yeah, I mean, they're a good foundation for a senior class. I think, you know, we have some talent coming up behind them, obviously, at the offensive line, but um, they've all contributed well. Um, and, I mean, struggled at times, sure, uh, but, uh, but, but a good foundation. I would add one more name. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it comes with a little bit of uh, gasoline poured on it, I think. But Connor Hayward, I would put him in the starting group. Um, he yeah. was our number one back last year. Like he's, he, he was. he's in my contributor column here. Um, I, I, I see where you're coming from because yeah. I see where you're coming from because he was never like the number one back in terms of getting carries, right? Like he was never the guy that you're trying to get yards on the ground with regularly. We he had has Collins. started 15 games in his career. Like, yeah. I mean, we had eight we had either, starts in 2018, one start in 2019, six starts last year. We had Collins two years ago, who was clearly the best running running back. We had Simmons last year, you know, and but Hayward has started quite a bit and he's been like a primary, at least secondary contributor 
regularly over the last couple seasons. So I'd put him up there again, wherever you draw the line, there's going to be guys on the cusp. I think he is on the cusp. I'd put him in the starting, in the starting group. Um, I think he led the team in rushing back in 2018. I, a lot of that is because LJ Scott was injured. I don't think he would have gotten the amount of carries that he, he did if LJ Scott was healthy for the whole year. But yeah, like I, I got no problem putting him in the starting category. Like he started 15 games in his career. So what, you know, what are you going to do there? 1900 all purpose yards in his career, uh, 800 rushing yards, almost 400 receiving yards, nine touchdowns. Is that a solid career? Yeah, when you look at this class, and you mentioned how you were breaking it up between offense and defense here, and and when you add the studs back in, you get Cody White on offense as well. Um, When you look at it that way, this class was pretty weak on offense. I mean, I I don't mean that, you know, as as a negative to any one specific guy, but when you look at the top five offensive players to come out of this class were Jarvis, Reed, White, um Hayward and and Matt Carrick (laughs) that's not a whole lot to build your your team around no Um, I think the defense we got a lot more out of this class you got we mentioned you know guys like Simmons Brown Josiah Scott but man this 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 offensive class is tough um you had a couple other guys who we'll get into that you know contributed before they left like Rocky Lombardi um obviously Hunter Ryzen played as a freshman but yeah, I mean, you can kind of see why this offense maybe has been struggling a little bit the last couple of years. This class was pretty tough. Um, there's some contributors in here, but you really don't have anyone in this class who really put a staple on this program on the offensive side yet. Yet. I mean, who knows what will happen this year? Maybe one of these offensive linemen or a couple of them are really put things together this year. But um, yeah, tough offensive class. Yeah, that's, and that's one of the fun things about this. I kind of mentioned earlier is you, you get to compare different recruiting classes in a little bit of a different way than just kind of blanket looking at the rankings and okay, how many of these guys went to the NFL or something like it, it it's kind of a fun way to, as we're going to go through this, I'm going to look and just compare like how many studs, how many non-contributors, how many were on offense, how many were in defense and like you said, I think that's going to be a trend to follow is of the studs and starters, how many of them were on the offensive side of these classes? There's not many. And even of the starters, right? Like Matt Carrick, um, yeah, he's started 18 games. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think anybody's comfortable with those 18 starts. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, he was a part of, was that the Penn State game? that he had this year that we both, we were watching it. We're like, this is the worst game I've ever seen an offensive line. Was that Carrick? Like, was I remember. Brutal. Yeah. I remember somebody was it Carrick that was having yeah, that yeah. game. Like he was just getting beat every yeah. play. And like, I felt bad at a certain point. I'm like, you, you just have to pull him out and, and yeah. just let him sit there. Let him regroup. Like, I, I don't know if it was skill technique, if it was just a bad day, I don't know, but that was, that was brutal. But yeah, like, you have Jordan Reed who started 26 consecutive games going into 2020 when he opted out. He was a solid starter. Like he, he was basically his biggest uh, impact on, on the last couple of years was his availability. And yeah, I, you know, that's not a huge glowing 
you know, compliment to Jordan Reed, but he was, he was decent. He's not definitely not like an all big 10 type guy. And I, I think that's kind of part of the problem. Right. So yeah, not many offensive guys. And even of the offensive guys that are on here, they're, they're not great. Uh, the defensive side, the starters that we had were again, Noah Harvey, Trey person, not Matt Carrickie's offensive and Jacob Panishuk. So of those three guys, what really sticks out to you? All three-star guys. Uh, Noah Harvey, barely a three-star guy. He was very, uh, very low-rated recruit. Didn't really have many offers coming out. Uh, not even ranked nationally. 127th ranked linebacker. Um, yeah, any thoughts on on those three guys here as we head into 2020? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Noah Harvey and, and Trey Person to an extent as well would kind of fall into that Matt Carrick category of like, they're out there because we got to put somebody out there. Um, but they haven't, uh, you, you're never really that comfortable with them. If the ball goes their direction, you're kind of holding your breath a little bit. Um, so those two guys, yeah, I mean, they're, they're seniors yeah, now. Noah Harvey, his other two offer, he had three offers. He had Bowling Green, he had Buffalo and Michigan State. And he looks like a Mac linebacker. Like, I, you know, I, I don't want to be, you know, disrespectful to the work that these kids put in. But, like, has anybody watched Noah Harvey the last few years and thought, like, no, that's a, that's a good Big Ten linebacker. Like, no, that's a good – mid-american linebacker that's a, that's a good group of five linebacker that's mm-hmm. that's not a power five linebacker he's he has started games yes and that's why i put him in this starting category he's started 12 games over the last couple of years he has over 100 tackles but mm-hmm. yeah and then you got jacob panashuk jacob panashuk who has been a solid um at times it's shown flashes of having some real potential, but, but a solid guy, you know, you're confident with him out on the field. He gets under the skin of the opposing team, which, you know, whether that's a positive or a negative um, he's been solid there, you know, he's, he's kind of held it down when some of our defensive end talent has maybe been in a lull a little bit, you know, over the last year, year and a half. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting, you know, doing it this way. I feel like I'm like looking at this and I'm like, Oh, we didn't have that much channel, but we already went through the studs. Um, yeah. Solid guys. They'll probably be starting again. Panashuk certainly person probably will be again, just out of necessity. And uh, Noah Harvey, we'll see. I know there's been a lot of movement and a lot of talk around the linebacker position in our program this year. Um, just from a familiarity sake, I'd expect him to be playing quite a bit early in the season we'll see kind of how things shake out beyond that but uh, but yeah I agree I mean he's been frustrating and I don't want to bag on too many you know on one guy too much on this podcast I know we've talked about him a lot everybody kind of knows how we feel about him right um I know he's out there hustling and he'd love to make more plays but uh yeah I mean this whole class it's it's an interesting one and, and these guys we'll see what they can do this year I do expect big things out of Jacob Panishuk but at the same time what is it his fifth year so how much growth are you going to see versus how much of just him holding it down you know I think more more likely you'll just see him out there making the plays you'd expect him to make yeah Jacob Panishuk's the perfect example of a guy that fits into this like starter category like if I was putting the prototype he's he's a guy who started a ton of games 
you feel good plugging him out in that spot. You're just, okay, he's our starting defensive end. I feel good about it. Like, could there be an upgrade? Yeah, sure. Like if we had a Shalik Calhoun, if we had a really good, like, you know, not generational player, but if we had a great player like that, yeah, of course they would start over him. But that's not to say that like, oh, that's a weakness of our team. Like, no, you're out there. You feel good about him being out there and he started what 30 games for us. Like I, I feel really good about that spot being his and, and this year with, you know, bringing in Dion Jordan, the transfer from Duke, uh, Michael Fletcher's kind of emergence last year. We'll see if he's holding on to that starting spot, but um, I, I do like him there. And, and I think it's going to be an interesting uh, spot for the next couple of years here. Contributors. We have, I have listed six contributors. So you have Matt Dotson, the four-star. You have Connor Hayward that I put as a contributor. We kind of mentioned already that you could very easily argue him as a starter. You have Jack Camper, defensive end. You have Dominique Long, the defensive back. CJ Hayes, wide receiver. Cole Hahn, the kicker, the kickoff specialist. I put on there as a contributor. You could argue him as a starter, right? Kickoff specialist. That's a position in Madden that you have to update on the depth chart. So I guess if you're going by that criteria, he's a starter. But I like it's it's an interesting group. And you start with Matt Dotson, who's yeah, like he he was one of the highest rated recruits in this class. And you you're just you're going into a super senior year where he's just kind of a contributor. And this was a dude who had offers from Auburn, Florida, Michigan, Ohio State, Oregon, Penn State, like Wisconsin. This dude was a a real, real athlete, a real recruit. Just 41 catches, 400 yards, two touchdowns, eight starts in his four years so far. So on offense, you have him and Hayward, who we talked about already. Um, and other than that, you have basically just, um, let's see, CJ Hayes, the wide receiver who was injured for all of 2020. And then on the defensive side, you have Dominique Long, defensive back, Jack Camper, defensive end. Um, I feel like I'm missing one here. Oh, and then just Cole Hahn, the kicker. So any, any thoughts of those contributors or any of these guys that are going into 2021 that you think can take a leap? Or are they just kind of set in their role and or anybody you have a problem with there? No, I mean, we already talked a little bit about Matt Dotson and, and you mentioned Connor Hayward Dotson. I just, if, if the breakout hasn't happened, he's had the opportunities. And I, I talked about it a little bit before when Rocky Lombardi was the quarterback, I think Rocky struggled a lot to throw intermediate routes in traffic. He struggled to see the defense and have confidence throwing between different seams in the zone defense. And that, you know, a lot of times is where the tight ends live. So if you're trying to make excuses for him, or at least looking for reasons why maybe he hasn't been as involved as he could have been, perhaps that's playing into it. Um, But at the end of the day, I mean, do you have how many starts written down for Matt Dotson? Matt Dotson, eight starts in his career eight starts and, and he's been on the field more than that too. There's yeah. Like 30 been... some games that he's played in, but right. Yeah. Right. No, it just goes to show like he he's never taken that spot. He's never taken the role yeah. and it's, and it's in a position that we haven't had studs coming through. 
Like you're, you're fighting for, for playing time with guys who are just solid, decent. Like you, you, you have to have a guy that's going to take that spot and he just hasn't done it. Yeah. And I mean, we really haven't had a guy at tight end since Josiah Scott, who we really love. I mean, we've Josiah I mean, Price. Yeah. Thank you, Josiah. <laughs> I made a joke earlier about yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt Sokol, which was probably undeserved, but um, you know, he was another guy who seemed who came in and seemed like he had some potential, and then just kind of banged his head against the ceiling and never seemed to break through. His whole time at MSU had problems with drops and other things. But is that is it an issue with coaching? I mean tight ends coaches are a lot of times guys who are trying to find a a more involved positional coach role, maybe trying to move to wide receivers or move to, you know, a a more prominent role on a coaching staff. Are we not finding a guy who can really get the best out of these guys at at that tight end position? I don't know. I don't want to speculate too much, but I, I really hope Matt Dodson can, can add, you know, a senior presence and some sure hands out there this year like I said, he's got some competition coming up behind him. Um, moving down the list, Connor Hayward, again, we've kind of talked that one off. He's certainly going to be involved. I don't, I think he's reached his ceiling. We know what we're getting with him. He's a solid run blocker. He's a solid pass catcher. He's a decent, well, he can run the ball when you need him to. Um, he'll be out there. Um, yes, yeah, so there's, I mean, as you go down the list, Dominique Long, a safety uh you know, a position that at free safety, that was kind of open Trey person moved over from cornerback. So I don't really expect Dominique Long to take a big step this year. It'll be another special teams contribution from him. Yeah. Um, and, and as far as like, I, I put him as a contributor, but I guess like to compliment Dominique Long, as far as special teams contributors go, he's a, a really good special teams guy. Like he's blocked a punt, but I'd like, he's had, over 50 tackles in his career and most of those are on special teams like he's he's a guy that you it's a it's a great special teams guy and it seems like kind of a a diss like oh he's a he's a special teams guy but he knows his role and he's really good at it so I I think there's something to be said for having that guy that that's going to be the maniac on punt coverage on (laughs) on kickoff coverage that's going to go down there and make plays like he blocked a punt. You know, he's, he's the guy who's going down there making a tackle on a punt return after like a one yard re- return. Like those are big plays when you're in the stadium watching the games where right as the dude catches the punt, Dominique Long comes up and hits him. Like those are momentum plays. Like the, the fans get up for that stuff, you know? Absolutely. So I, I think there is something to be said about that role. Yeah. He's been a guy who has had very limited playing time on defense. Um, but he's a guy that you have familiarity with because he's made so many of those plays that you were just talking about those momentum plays on special teams where you need a guy to make a play or you're, or somebody makes a play you're not necessarily expecting. He seems to make a lot of those. And, you know, I, as somebody who <laughs> I guess specialized in special teams when I was playing football, I, I have a respect for those guys, you know, maybe they're not necessarily talented enough to, get out there, you know, in a full on defensive scheme, but you know, they've got the effort level to get out there and make plays when they have the opportunity. And that's exactly what he's done. And 
Um, you know, there's something to be said for that. CJ Hayes, kind of a similar boat. He's played a little bit more on offense, but never really broke the rotation, the consistent rotation as a wide receiver. But when we've had injury issues, he's a guy who you can trot out there and he makes a couple plays every now and again, and, um, he'll be around again as a veteran presence. So, um, yeah, these guys, I mean, Cole Hahn, shout out kickers. I knew you'd bring him up. You wouldn't just glaze over. Hey, him. Hey, Hey, Hey. That's that's five career tackles and a forced fumble, Cole Hahn, that you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're guys. They've the been around the program. It takes – I mean, it takes guts to go to a D1 program like Michigan State and stick around as a contributor for five years without trying to find greener pastures. And we'll mention some of the guys who have – kind of cycled out of the program. So shout out to these guys for sticking it out, adding, you know, I mentioned that veteran presence in the locker room and their position groups and, uh, and they've all made impacts in their own way. Yeah. And well, speaking of, of guys that have stuck around given uh, the lack of playing time, that's a good segue for the non-contributors. I got four guys listed here. You have Mustafa Khalifa, the, you know, we talked about Matt Dotson as a guy who is just perpetually like the breakout candidate. I feel like I've read articles about Mustafa Khalifa being like a, a sleeper starting right tackle for the last four years. Uh, he's played 36 career snaps and opted out in the 2020 <laughs> season. You have Diari Todd, a defensive end who has never seen game action, but he's on scholarship, baby. Ride that, <laughs> ride that out. Get that free education. <laughs> Emmanuel flowers. Uh, he's played in 19 games, four tackles, special teams guy um Lares nelson i also put as a non-contributor just you could you could put him as a contributor i guess but he's had 19 career catches like this is you could easily argue contributor here and i wouldn't have a problem with it like him and cj hayes you could argue are in kind of that same boat um Lares nelson was injured in 2020 as well but um just guys that haven't really been able to crack the lineup for one reason or another, but like you said, to your, to their credit have stuck around and didn't really go that transfer route. And I think I, it's a touchy subject. The transfer portal is a really touchy subject right now in college football and the people that support it, the people that are against it. I find myself in the middle. I think it's a difficult conversation that there's a lot of nuance to it because mm -hmm. we've talked about it before like if you're pro player like does that mean that you're pro transfer portal but what about all the guys who go into the transfer portal and then they're they suddenly don't find a home because there's not enough scholarships elsewhere like it's it's tricky right but these guys have stuck around they're a couple of them they're still going to be here for a super senior year still trying to make that impact uh, but we'll see if that if that ends up coming to fruition. Yeah, I mean, shout out them. I hope by this point they're they're working on their master's degree. I know guys who stick around for five years oftentimes if end up coming out. You would have given out. me a free master's degree, man. I'm all yeah, about that. And some, you know, really, really intense and and pointed and personal exercise coaching and and two two degrees and a bunch of free gear. I mean, that alone, <laughs> that's a, it's a great college experience. Good life. You know, when you don't, when you take it out of the lens of, is this guy going to make it to the NFL or, you know, whatever else, it, you know, you're just looking at a student coming out of high school, gets a, a free degree or two, you know, gets free to be around board. college football, which for a these guys are, 
all college football fans. So getting, you know, an inside look at the world of college football and best and seats in the and, house. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not bad. It, it'd be tough. You'd be busy, but you know, if you love it, it'd be, it'd be pretty cool. So yeah, like you mentioned, shout out to them. The transfer portal is not something we need to spend too much time talking about today. You could talk about that, you know, forever on a different podcast, but, um, but yeah, shout out to these guys. And last, I uh, want to make sure we mention before we get out of here is, is there are five guys who did not finish their career at Michigan State. Some of them are very noteworthy. Some of them I didn't even remember that they existed. Um, you have Hunter Risen, who we mentioned, left after his freshman year, felt like he wasn't getting enough playing time. Uh, you have Rocky Lombardi. Obviously, <laughs> he's, he's kind of a lightning rod. 48% completion percentage, 1,900 yards, 11 touchdowns to 14 interceptions in his Michigan State career, entered the transfer portal this offseason. He's going to be heading to Northern Illinois. Weston Bridges, uh, he played as a redshirt freshman a little bit, got 16 carries uh, at running back. Then the staff moved him over to wide receiver because he just wasn't getting enough play there. Uh, and then ended up transferring to Ashland. We have LaShawn Paulino Bell, who is a three-star kid, transferred his defensive end, transferred to Vanderbilt, has two sacks in his career at Vandy. So, you know, it doesn't seem like he's really broken out, like we're missing a stud or something like that, but has had a, a, a productive career over at Vanderbilt. They have Darian Clemens, who didn't suit up for Michigan State at all as a starter or anything like <laughs> his- that, transferred to Eastern Kentucky. His two four seven picture, he looks like he's like a forty year old man. I, I don't know because usually these these photos. I was laughing at him earlier looking at them because you, you know for the names that we are very familiar with, your Connor Haywards, your Jacob Panashooks. Like I was laughing because a lot of these guys look like <laughs> baby faces because of what you're used to, and then you come across Darian Clemens who looks like he's like an NFL strength coach or something. <laughs> I, I got this in anyway. front of me right now. And yeah, you're absolutely right. He's got a full beard and mustache. <laughs> yeah. But I've never heard of him before today. So, yeah. I mean, obviously the, the noteworthy names here are Hunter Risen and Rocky Lombardi, right? And, and we've talked plenty about Rocky Lombardi. We, we've kind of brought up um, Hunter Risen. But yeah, I, I mean, Rocky... Look, I, I wish him the best, and I, I hope he goes to Northern Illinois, locks down a starting job, kills it, because I, I've said from day one about Rocky, and, and again, like he's one of those guys like Noah Harvey. Like if you're following our podcast, you know our feelings about both of these players. And the thing is, is just that they're not good Big Ten players. And like that's okay. Not everybody is that good. The Big Ten is a damn good football conference. It's right behind the SEC the best conferences in America. Like not everybody's that good and that's okay. Like Rocky Lombardi can go to the Mac and be a good starter. I hope he does. Uh, but he just, he just wasn't made for this level of college football at, at the end of the day. And so he's heading over to Northern Illinois, hopefully onto greener pastures, hopefully on to, to a productive rest of his uh, college football career there. Wish him all the best. Uh, like, I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you mentioned, it's okay that not everybody, you know, finds their, their home in the big 10. And sometimes a lot of times confidence is all these guys need to really start playing well. I mean, especially at a position like quarterback, 
you know, he finds something with his receivers, gets some good chemistry down there in Northern Illinois. And uh, all of a sudden he breaks out and, and, you know, does something big in the Mac and, um, you know, it's, it's something where we maybe we'll be looking back saying, man, how could he not find this at Michigan state? But sometimes you just got to find what works for you, get some confidence, get some chemistry and, and things fall into place. And, you know, somebody like Noah Harvey still sticking around some, maybe the same would have been said for him if he was down at Bowling Green, but who knows, maybe it'll surprise us this year and, and, and break out uh, in, in the green and white this year. You never know. Yeah. So that's going to wrap it up. Like I said, like we, the way I'm kind of structuring these and we'll go through a couple more the rest of this off season, and it'll be interesting to compare kind of how I saw everything four studs, six starters, six contributors, four non-contributors, five guys that, that were just uh, that didn't finish their careers at Michigan state will be interesting to kind of follow that through multiple classes and kind of compare but Scott, we've we've taken up about an hour of everybody's Monday. Any other thoughts here before we let them uh, have themselves a, a fantastic rest of their week? No, I mean, thanks for sticking around with us. Um, we'll get a little bit more efficient now that we've done this once as we move through the next few recruiting classes. I don't know if it'll be five straight episodes or if we'll break it up a little bit. I'm sure yeah, we'll we, have some we got the spring topics. ball and spring games coming up. So we'll definitely make sure we have episodes that are dedicated to spring practices, position battles type stuff like that. So it, it'll probably be yeah. broken up a little bit. One more thing real quick. I know we were talking about the tournament earlier, so I have put together a bracket group on ESPN for our fans. If you've made it this far again, thank you. We'll post it on Twitter, uh, the link to join the group. It'll be a public group. We're not going to do any buy-ins or anything just for fun, you know, just to get the fans together doing something different. I want to see how good you guys are at picking these games. You can see kind of who I like, who I don't like. Uh, so again, we'll, we'll post that on Twitter for the fans to join in. I know we're a football podcast, but I'm sure plenty of you guys are, are filling out your brackets. So throw your best bracket in the group and uh, we'll go head to head. See who can, uh, who can do the best job. Yeah, we'll, we'll put that on Twitter. So at standing room MSU at Spartan Martin 18, we will post the, the link for the standing room Spartans bracket challenge. I forgot to mention that off the top, but uh, we'll, we'll make sure we have some fun with that. So uh, other than that, you know, like I said, it's selection Sunday. We should have a bracket here shortly. We got like what, six, seven minutes left in this big 10 championship game as we're recording this. So we'll know soon. Uh, everybody, this is like the best Monday of work of the entire year. Like the post Super Bowl Monday is the worst. This is like the best because you just spend the entire day looking at the bracket. Nobody's actually working right? It's, it's, uh, it's one of the best Mondays of the year in terms of like, yeah, I have to go to work, but everybody's going to be sitting around the, the proverbial water cooler talking about the brackets, who you like, who's, who's going to your final four. Why do you have this nine seed going to the final four? Like it, it's, it's a good, <laughs> good time this week and talking brackets and everything like that. So have yourselves a phenomenal week. Hope everybody uh, has a great start to March Madness next weekend. By the time we talk to you, hopefully Michigan State is still in the tournament after the opening weekend, uh, but we'll see what happens. We believe in Tom Izzo until he proves us otherwise. Um, so until next week, have yourselves a great week. Go green.